Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And if you've been following me, you know my guest, Joey from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. He's the first recurring guest. We got into some new segments. And this was recorded before Bitcoin Miami. So we made some predictions. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm a boots on the ground guy over here. We were wrong on the Jack Mahler's strike Apple update. But check what we thought. And uh, listen for, you know, our thoughts on the big stories from the past week. And as always, everything said here is strictly for opinion, not financial advice. Like I said, not financial advice. If you want financial advice, you should go to a different podcast because you're not going to find it here. So let's get into the show. All right, we are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. We got the first recurring guest at Joey Tweets, Joey, co-host of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. I did invite both of you guys on, but uh, Len is under the weather on the injured reserve. Uh, you know, you tear your Achilles, you're still powering through it. And <laughs> old, and he's nowhere to be found. I mean, hey, uh, some people are built different. But uh, Joey, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's good to be here. Uh, yeah, Len, Len left me hanging yesterday for our stream, too. So I did that solo. That was my first... Uh, solo stream of any kind and holy christ does that feel like a long time when you're just talking to yourself and talking to the chat like it's just rough man it's rough but uh no i'm, I'm glad to be here man happy to be the first recurring guest i hope you have many more yeah for sure yeah i mean i had to do a you know a couple solo episodes on on one of my other podcasts when i had uh you know my former co-host ditch me and leave me in the end and uh you know, I, I can relate. They're not exactly the most fun thing. You feel a little weird just talking to the computer by yourself. I didn't do it live, live stream, so I didn't even have a chat. So mine was even weirder. I was like, I don't even know how this is even going to go, whatever. So it's just, yeah, definitely a lot. That's, of the, that's the Peter Schiff method, right? Like his show is like an hour. He does like three times a week and he just talks to no one. Like, is that what his marriage is like, too? He's just constantly talking, no one's saying anything back. We're yeah, finished I finished no tonight idea. talking about Bitcoin. This guy's just absolutely ripping for it. Like, and then there's nothing, there's no one to talk back to him. No one at all. He just, there's no show chat, no stream, no nothing. I, I, I don't want to ever do that again. That's for yeah, sure. I have no idea how he does that. That's insane. It's not like, it's like literally he's just talking to a wall. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I, I don't know. And he's like, look, you got to look at yourself too, or like, you know, pull up your notes or whatever. It's, it's just weird. I don't know. When you're talking, when you're talking to the camera, who you, when you, so you got me and you on the screen and the chat on the screen, chat's empty right now. Who's, who are you looking at? Are you looking at me or are you looking at you? Everyone looks at themselves, don't they? Yeah, I, I look at myself a little bit to see if I'm like doing anything like twitchy or something, you know, like <laughs> I always get self-conscious about it. <laughs> I don't know that Dan, Dan has pointed out a couple things like I repeat. And so like anytime like I'm like on a stream or whatever and I, I feel myself repeating it, then I get more more often too. So I don't know. I'm workshopping some things over here. All right? It's all good. I heard I heard you guys' stuff coming at the end of this show, so I'm interested in hearing uh, what yeah. exactly you've been you've been thinking about. It scared yeah. me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I do have a, a new segment uh, for recurring guests only. So um, yeah, but anyway, let's uh, let's just jump into it. So uh, obviously we we are connected through Twitter, so this is not exactly like a Bitcoin related story, but I feel like it's a big story related to you know how we divulge news and you know obviously Bitcoin Twitter. Um, I'm sure you saw Elon Musk purchases 9.2% of Twitter stake. And now he's uh, getting like a chair or something, like a voting right chair um, on the board of Twitter. So uh, he kind of, you know, has come out publicly on, on his Twitter account, ironically, about free speech and things like that. So how do you think uh, Elon's influence is going to affect Twitter going forward and, it, uh, you know, affect, I guess, free speech and banning people as a whole? Man, a couple of things. So we we didn't talk about this. It wasn't in Len's research for yesterday, I don't think. And if it is, I missed it. Sorry, buddy. Um, but I have a, a lot to say about this. First thing, okay? This current CEO, whose name I forget, uh, the the Indian fellow there, he's he's yeah something. He's like tweeting out these tweets about how Elon's going to be a great co contributor to their board. He's going to help turn Twitter around. Blah blah blah. And everyone's responding with the correct meme, the crying Wojak with the smiling Wojak mask in front. This is exactly how this guy probably feels. So other thing, Elon owns 9%. Do you know how much Dorsey owns? 
isn't it like four percent? Like he owns double the amount of Dorsey. He owns two and change. He owns four times almost Jeez. the amount of Dorsey. So this guy is a, is now a significant shareholder. And as we've seen over the course of the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, all these PayPal mafia guys always err in one direction. And it's on the side of shooting first and asking questions later when it comes to defending free speech. Peter Thiel notoriously signed up with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Facebook's board, helped to get Donald Trump elected and uh, bankrupted Gawker you know, absolute bottom of the barrel, uh, website that I still sometimes visit Deadspin to just see if them running uh, laps on the corpse of that, that, that tire fire. Uh, then he, uh, took care of, uh, uh, he's, he's also taking care of the Facebook board seat. Now he doesn't, I don't think he's on that board anymore. He left that board to pursue what he called 2024 election interests. So what's that mean? I mean, he got Trump elected before you can guess who he's going to help now. That's, that's one guy. Then you look at David Sachs. David Sachs is on the all in pod. He's a SaaS investor. He's pretty ruthless, man. He, you know, he stands up to about the most liberal rich guys I can think of on a weekly basis. Tremoth, uh, David Friedberg and uh, Jason Kalkanis. Those guys really try and pin him to a wall. And he, to be honest with you, I think he's just a sm smarter than all of them. He's the smartest guy on that panel uh, week in, week out. Another PayPal guy. And then you got Elon. Elon, you know, notoriously here, uh, has has basically spit in the face of these people who told him he couldn't build a car company, told him he'd never be Ford or Chrysler, told him he'd never be able to operate in America, told him no one wanted electric cars, told him the grid wasn't ready, all this stuff. And how's that going? He doesn't care about what people say or do. Now, I'll, I'll pour a little cold water on this. If you believe some of the hype around Elon and the way he treats his naysayers, internal and external alike, then you've probably seen these stories about how he sends, you know, secret agents or whatever, like the, the, the Tesla Gestapo to people's homes and like wait outside their home when they're sending out mean tweets. Like you can't really have that as part of the Twitter thing. If you're going to go free speech, you go free speech. But if you're not, and you just end up like extending this, uh, this Tesla communication strategy into the public sphere, it's a bad thing. I'll also note how funny is it? that the CEO has to send out a tweet when Elon asks if people want an edit button and th the tweet says, vote carefully. This might actually mean something. <laughs> it's, it's so a, great. It's so great. And it's on his own platform too. Like the CEO of his platform is now worried about what a majority stakeholder is holding in uh, on his own platform too, which is uh, in my opinion, pretty ironic. And like the things that he can tweet out, make massive changes. I just wonder too, like, is, do you think that this is going to affect like how Elon uses Twitter going forward? Is there going to be like some sort of like SEC regulation? I know he already doesn't really give a shit about like when it comes to Tesla and like tweeting out things like related to that. But do you think it's going to affect like how he uses Twitter as a whole? What is what is it going to happen to that? Do you think the the guy the same guy who tweeted out that the SEC stands for suck Elon's cock is going to start suddenly finding Jesus when he gets on 280 characters? Do you think he's finally going to start you know deleting the memes that he tweets in there? Lest we forget, he had that meme of Stalin on the boat where the picture changes from the top to the bottom. One is with Dorsey and the new president or new CEO, and one is just the new president. Like. This guy it has been shrewd in the past. He's definitely not going to be less shrewd if he owns a platform, is he? I think I think the, the the market is speaking already about what they think about the move for Twitter. I think that stock jumped thirty percent yesterday. I didn't see what it did today. Maybe I'll pull it up while I'm talking. But I think that like as far as whether or not he's going to tone it down, why would he? What what would be the point of him toning it down now? If anything, he would have toned it down before he bought the majority uh, majority share or like the, the big uh, the big piece of the pie. He's not going to do it now. Why would he do it now? Do you like, do you, am I missing something there? Do you think that suddenly this guy has found some kind of moral compass or ethical compass that's going to lead him away from the memes? Not to mention that he's the guy who, you know, really has built his empire on hype, at least in some regard. I saw a great tweet the other day that Elon buying Twitter now means he can finally secure the natural resources that drive his stock price, which is like an unbelievably good tweet. Uh, I wish I thought of it myself, but no, I don't think he's going to tone it down. I can't imagine this guy ever toning it down. He married Grimes and named his kid a bunch of letters and numbers. You think yeah. that that guy is capable of toning it down? No, sir. He is not. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, but I felt like I needed to ask the question. Um, and, then, and then one last point. Um, 
shit. Now I'm blanking on what I was going to say about how you many know. white claws you had. You only had one white claw. I've only, I've only had a couple sips, sips <laughs> left, but uh, I, I'm going on this a little bit on the fly, you know, because uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like from the last podcast that I had recorded on Thursday, it's, you know, there's various Bitcoin stuff that are, that have gone on, but at the same time, you know, Bitcoin Miami's at the end of the week. So I feel like a lot of things are looming, but we'll get to that towards the end. Um, mm. But anyway, uh, on to the next story. So, Last week, MicroStrategy, our subsidiary of MicroStrategy, MacroStrategy, announced that they are uh, or that 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 they got a two hundred and five million dollar Bitcoin backed loan uh, to purchase more Bitcoin, and then they announced the final numbers today. So they purchased about um, almost forty two hundred thousand or forty two hundred Bitcoin uh, using about one hundred and ninety million dollars with the average price of just under forty six thousand per Bitcoin. Um, so now that brings up their average price of Bitcoin to about thirty thousand seven hundred. Um, so, yeah, Sailor does it again. Sailor buys a shit ton more Bitcoin and they have a ton on their balance sheet now. So what do you think about the arguments that you know, people are saying that, uh, you know, Sailor and MicroStrategy as a whole just kind of have too much and that the supply of Bitcoin is being uh, almost centralized with Michael Saylor. You think he's, I don't think he's cornering the market. Okay, before we get into this, I've heard Mike Saylor talk, I don't know, at least 50 hours worth of content, let's say in the last year or something like that, probably more. That's probably a conservative estimate. He's very thoughtful with his words. I am disappointed that this guy has a subsidiary called Macro Strategy. He couldn't come up with anything more catchy. I don't know what that's all about. I'm a little disappointed there. And so I'm a little worried about Mike and his uh, his sort of state of mind at the, at the moment. That aside, is he cornering the market? No. And this is a, something that the uh, F, F heads and uh, <clears throat> altcoin uh, aficionados always get wrong. That <clears throat> when we talk about how Ethereum is centralized, for example and how these, some of these proof-of-stake coins are centralized, for example, or the foundations are, are driving decision-making in some of these, um, these platforms. What, what they say to counter is, well, look, 90% of the network's tokens are held in 5% of the wallets on Bitcoin. That may be true. Honestly, I have no idea. I haven't looked at those metrics. But the thing is that no matter how much of the network one guy holds, he can't influence the direction that the network takes. He can't influence the the, the block size, you can't, you can't influence the, the reward on, on block issuances, reward issuances on blocks. He, can't, he, he or she cannot change those things. So that centralization as far as cornering the market doesn't matter. Now, supply is a different story. If you listen to, um, you know, whether it's Pish or these other guys who do frequent Bitcoin podcasts with guys smarter than you and me, though not much, if at all, but I have to say that to be polite to these people. Uh, if, if you listen to these guys, what do they say? They say, exchange... Uh, flows are only going one way. Everything's getting pulled off. Uh, people who have held Bitcoin for longer than two years are continuing to accumulate. And that line where the accumulation seems to meet a, uh, a break even. So, you know, where, where you used to be a long-term hodler, if you had coin for more than two years, now you're starting to see similar hodl behavior at 16 months or 18 months. So you're starting to pull forward some of that uh, hodling attitude, that hodling behavior that influences supply. And I mean, you talk about this in your newsletter from time to time. We talk about it on our show and you guys talk about it on your pod. Like we, we know that the miners are deploying capital at an insane and accelerating rate. So is there a supply shock coming? I think so. And the, the thing about Bitcoin, as far as like transparency, is that when you look at some of these metrics about uh, exchange outflows, mining hash rate, uh, the, the speed of the blocks, all that stuff, it, it seems to me like there's going to be louder whispers in the next six months or eight months if there's not a supply shock, because it'll be pretty clear that there's rehypothecated Bitcoin on the exchanges, that the exchanges are selling Bitcoin they don't actually have and just holding it for people, right? The, the average pleb who doesn't have a hardware wallet or whatever, um, they're contributing to that. I, I don't think we're there yet, but I think if this continues, if the expenditures by, by miners continue and the deployment continues and the power gets cheaper and all this stuff... Um, you know what what's going to happen with the the supply the, the exchanges are going to have to admit that they are selling bitcoin they don't have and they don't want to be in that situation either right so i'm i'm waiting to see man my bags are ready for the moon they got the helmet on they got the air supply we're on the launch pad we're ready 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you're saying that, though, because I think the narrative last year, uh, you know, everybody's boy, their favorite 19-year-old, uh, you know, uh, glass node user, Will Clement. These guys, these guys all come out looking like like Jack Harlow with a baggy shirt and like, come on, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't yeah, well, I mean, last, last year <laughs> during October, they, they called it Shocktober. That was their saying. Him and even he even got pomp on it. And uh, <laughs> or, uh, pomp, you know, went into the dark side or whatever. And so I don't know. I mean, I just think like it, it always seems like it's looming. It seems like more and more, you know, whales and, and people are taking their Bitcoin off exchanges. And yeah, like you said, it's just a matter of time. But I feel like I've been waiting for a big jump in Bitcoin for, for quite a long time. So I don't know. Maybe it's uh you know more of uh what is it the dan held theory where it's uh like a super cycle it's more drawn out um opposed to the the normal jumps that we were used to seeing in bitcoin i don't know i mean it seems like uh you know you normally in the bull or the bull markets it's you know a year year and a half or so and we're kind of coming up on that um since the last halving uh, and so yeah, I mean, our, I mean, and we're almost coming up to two years now because it was it's just May two 20. years. We're past, we're past two years, right? I think it was in April, was it not? I think it was May 2020. Ah, I want to say. Okay. Um, so you know, May 2020, and you know, we're we're coming right up on it, and uh, you know, we haven't really seen the big like you know 40 percent days or whatever that we that we're kind of used to seeing in the previous bull markets. So. I don't know. I mean, it's the more that time goes on, you know, I mean, obviously my time preference, it does, it doesn't matter to me whether or not it's going to keep, you know, skyrocketing or what, like, it's kind of fun to be on Twitter when it's like that. But at the same time, it seems like, uh, you know, it just, the supply chalk might, might be there, but the market might not catch up for quite a while, or it'll be more of a slower burn. I don't know. It's, uh, well, think, think about this. Like, is this going to be the first having where miners who, are operating at a loss thanks to the reduced block reward. Just stay online with their with all their equipment and use the Bitcoin to take loans and keep the operation running or find more capacity some other way. Like there's been, you know, I think this would be the first having where that really takes shape. In 2020, because of COVID, there was a lot of other factors and maybe some smaller miners. And I include some of the the guys who are traded on public exchanges in that in that category. You know, those guys didn't know what the future was going to hold. And so at that time, with the pandemic looming and capex, you know, basically your 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 um, your block world being cut in half, so your 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 ROI being nicked uh, at that 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 rate, the bank is not going to be happy about that, and they're not going to give you those loans on your on your on your Bitcoin holdings. But the, the ecosystem has matured so much in the last two years that for the first time, I think in 2024, you're going to have uh, what I think is going to be the the real test for this having theory um, compared to the super cycle, like you mentioned, right? So let's see if the, if the miners don't go offline, what's stopping the price from absolutely tearing to a new high. If everyone still wants the same amount, the demand is as high as it's ever been. The miners are more competitive than they've ever been that like this, it's a flywheel. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I, I wouldn't bet on, you know, $500,000 Bitcoin, but you know, I know I'm probably speaking for you too. I wouldn't bet against it either. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I also think too, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen a hundred K by now, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of see it hit that by the end of the year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing out price predictions at this point. So, I mean, <laughs> I, great I, content. I, feel like, I feel like it's like, you know, it's, it's like any CEO or any company that has invested in Bitcoin you, you get them in one interview and it's like at this point, they're just like, hey, you know, Kathy Wood or, or somebody else is like, hey, I've uh, I'm predicting 500,000 Bitcoin or per Bitcoin or whatever. And it's like, all right, well, you're throwing these numbers against the wall where it's like eventually you're going to be right. So I don't know, maybe I should just start doing that. Just start tweeting uh, random prices and then uh, maybe in some week or something, we'll have a big run up and I'll look like a genius. I saw uh, a story that may, well, may have been near and dear to you last year. Uh, probably was near and dear to me in 2020, 2021 as well. Kathy Wood's ARK, so the ARK-K, the flagship fund, worst performing equity fund of the first quarter of 22. Ooh, woof. Big yeah, woof. not great. I, I definitely, <laughs> I, I sold my uh, Kathy Wood ARK uh, ETFs. I had two of them. <laughs> I think I had like the FinTech one and then the... Uh, 
yeah, maybe just like the RK one or whatever that one they're was. Good, like they're good companies. I just don't like how the majority of the holdings, this is like off the beaten path, obviously, but the majority of the holdings are these small caps that basically she's holding up with her inflows. So as soon as the flows start going the other direction, those little, those small cap guys are, you know, they're in the tank, right? So yeah, I don't know. I'm exactly. out on them. Yeah. But anyway, all right, let's move on to the next story. So uh, I just have a, like, it's like a small story. I don't I don't know if you really saw this, but uh, I kind of have like a, I guess, a deeper question about it. So a Texas bank now is offering employees the option to receive their full salary in Bitcoin. So do you think this is this is significant or somewhat of a nothing burger? Because technically you can you've been able to do this for a while, at least in the United States, with like something like a strike account or, you know, you can receive your paycheck and just buy Bitcoin on an exchange or, or something like that. So do you think that like companies now offering uh, employees, do you think do, does that make it more enticing for you to try to work at this at a certain business? Or um, do you think that this headline is you know anything significant? I don't care about this. I think that it, I think it doesn't matter more or less. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there. If I want to buy Bitcoin, I'll just do it myself with my own salary. If I want to work at a place that uh, wants to buy Bitcoin on my behalf, then that's fine. But they better be getting a better deal than I am. You know, presumably they'd be buying in bulk to get a better spread or something like that, or there'd be some other perk. But to me, it doesn't really matter. Now, the the really the next step, and I don't know if Strike does this or not, but I, I know that like uh, this is what I want to see from Canadian exchanges. I want to see uh, transit numbers and routing numbers and paychecks going right into my ShakePay account, for example, uh, because I would. I would completely leave my bank as far as savings if I, I could deal with ShakePay directly all the time or, or whatever, pick your exchange, right? Like obviously I'm, I'm partial, they're our sponsor, but I would never go to Toronto Dominion or RBC or CIBC or any of these other big five in Canada because one, the customer service is absolutely atrocious. Two, I've mentioned this before as like a joke, but it's true. You know, we're less than a year from uh, my my bank, my institution sending me an email celebrating that I could take pictures of checks in the dark now and deposit them. What the fuck is a check? I don't even know what a check is. Why do I care if I can take pictures of it? I'm not getting checks from anyone. What, what year is this, man? Um, and like I mentioned as well, you know, one of the things I like the most about uh, this sort of using your paycheck at, at the same place that you buy your Bitcoin, presumably the same place that you send your Bitcoin, one of the um, sort of like the favorite things of the fiat supporter to say is that Bitcoin is too slow. It's too primitive. It takes too long to send stuff. I guarantee you that a Bitcoin transaction will be, you know, a thousand X faster than a wire transfer and, and, and EFT transfer. There's, there's zero chance that it's slower than that. Lightning is even faster. And so the more that we bring people on board this way, uh, the better it'll be because they'll have retail exposure and sort of purposeful exposure by the exchanges that they're working uh, or that they're depositing their paychecks in to lightning and things of that nature. But like, you know, would I quit my job to work for a company that would buy Bitcoin on my behalf? No. I mean, think about it. Like, would you, would you, would you leave the job you're at now? And worse than that, think about this focus on like non-KYC or light KYC Bitcoin. Is that, does that sound like light KYC to you? That sounds like a lot of KYC. That's a lot of KYC, all caps KYC on that. I'm out. Well, I don't exactly. want that. And that, that's like, that was my kind of issue with it now is like, all right, now it's directly reported, right? So, um, yeah, and then the company has to report that for their business taxes as well. So once they report that, then, you know, the, um, you know, the IRS knows what, how much you bought or how much Bitcoin you have and at what price you bought it at and everything like that. So eventually if they want to do, uh, you know, the rumor that was flying around of, uh, uh the rumor that nice, was, nice. <laughs> the rumor that was flying around of uh, what was it of uh, a taxing unrealized capital gains. I mean, if they want to do that, then it's like, okay, well, now we know what price you bought Bitcoin and, right. and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, to, and to your point earlier, yeah, you can do that at Strike. It does have a routing number, and it does actually have like a connected bank. Um, and because of that bank, you can. Um, I think I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can get like the direct deposit, like directly into your strike account and you can set it exactly like, Hey, I want 70% of my big or of my uh, paycheck in Bitcoin or 30% or whatever. You can like set those different metrics. So as soon as it comes in, it's immediately being um, sent to, or it's immediately purchasing Bitcoin. So, Are they custodial or they just send right to a hardware wallet for you? 
uh, they're custodial and then you can mm -hmm. send it to, you know, a hardware wallet or something like that. But yeah, you can have it like directly on your phone. Um, and then, yeah, you can also transfer it peer to peer, uh, on lightning network and everything like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you here. It's like, I, I I'm not leaving my job to go work here and, uh, I just think it's kind of like more of a publicity stunt. And I think a lot of these places are starting to do these kind of things to, to do, to get gain more publicity just because they're seeing the popularity rise, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's like schools accepting payment in Bitcoin, um, you know, states now accepting tax payments in Bitcoin. It's like everybody's trying to become more Bitcoin and, and crypto for a lesser extent friendly. Because... And they, but they don't know, you know, they don't, a lot of these guys don't know really what it means. Right. And uh, that's states or individuals who are running for power or running for like elected office, all these guys. This is the thing, right? These companies who will buy you Bitcoin, you know, it's not really, it's not really a technical achievement, nor is it really like some kind of ethical shift in the way the company does business. It's your money. Do with it as you want, and don't uh, don't get wrapped up in this sort of hype. Uh, that'd be my suggestion. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I got the next story here. Um, Lightning Labs <laughs> they raised seventy million dollars to build a stable coin on Bitcoin Protocol. So my main question with all this is, do you think we really even need a stable coin? Uh, if so, why? Bitcoin is the stable coin. That's that's the the take of the night. Uh, you don't need. A stable coin to buy Bitcoin. Typically, I think the reason people use stable coins and the stable coin crowd, like the Tether crowd, um, will say that it's you know easier to get a Tether USD than it is to get an American dollar overseas, and there's you know complications with sending those those dollars that Tether solves. Blah blah blah. We all know why people hold Tether. They hold Tether because they're trading shit coins on shitty exchanges, and they need something as an intermediary. Uh, and so this is the way that they're uh, managing to kind of stay out of public markets without really going back to fiat. Uh, it's it's fairly simple. That's that's the reason they use that peg. I, I don't understand. Lightning Labs to me is, uh, you know, th they've done some good work, but this is a head scratcher. Why, why do we need this? Presumably, you know, if they're raising money, then they're making somebody rich on this kind of uh, operation, this kind of scheme. I don't know the intricacies of how to build a stablecoin or, or what this means for people who are, who've given money to this cause, but like, I can't imagine this is a good thing for the network uh, at all. Yeah, me either. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. I mean, especially now if we have la la uh, layer two protocols with the lightning network, where it seems like you can transfer Bitcoin for, you know, almost nothing on the dollar and, and, you know, almost free and like certain exchanges where the, whether you use strike or whatnot, um, just really just doesn't make any sense. And, yeah, I mean, I agree with you here. Like, why do you need stablecoin? Um, and uh, but I mean, I, I it's to your point too about Tether. Like, there's other cities, like the city of Lugano in in Switzerland, has made Bitcoin as well as Tether, and then they created a, a like city stablecoin. And we've also seen cities like Miami create the Miami. Hate coin. it, hate it, absolutely yeah. hate it. I mean, but I the other thing like too, like for okay, for Lightning Labs, they they know anyone who who's been in Bitcoin for some time, right? Like, let's say you've been here for a year. You, you really have seen uh, both ends of the spectrum as far as the good and the bad. And the good is always, of course, number go up, country adoption, nation state, legal tender, things of that nature. But the FUD is pretty significant. And it's, you know, frequently revolves around one of two things. It's either ESG, environmental damage, or it's Tether as a Ponzi, basically, that there's not anything backing the Tether in circulation. So why would these guys want to put another stablecoin into the market when... It seems to me that this has become a huge problem for Bitcoin as far as adopting new people and convincing uh, people who are otherwise very bright, I think. I think about Mike Green um, on Twitter. Uh, we, we've heard a lot about Tether from a lot of these TradFi guys over the last year or two years. Why, why, why would you want to put another vector in front of these guys, right? You don't, if you know, if, if, if you want the bull to run at you, this is the way to do it. If you want to figure out a, a better way to onboard people, Build something on layer two, like you said. If you really want to do that, do it. But don't don't put something over top of Bitcoin and then encourage people to use it because that's a lot of money and they're going to be able to market that thing pretty effectively, especially to newcomers. And that's really like the last thing that you want as a Bitcoiner is these people getting co-opted, uh, pushed towards something that doesn't really make a lot of sense, and then and then 
throwing out the baby with the bathwater a year later when you know they've been trading uh, their stable coin, their lightning coin or whatever, uh, or holding their lightning coin instead of just holding Bitcoin or even USD. Like you're never going to convince me that holding Tether is a better idea than holding USD. I just, I, I don't understand that that thinking at all. Yeah, me neither. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And that's why I thought it was, I was kind of surprised to see this story even pop up. I mean, I saw it tweeted out by Bitcoin Magazine and, um, you know, they, they do the breaking and, you know, the whole Dennis Porter kind of thing to make it seem like a big... God, story. I hate the all caps breaking thing so yeah, much. Yeah, and, and I mean, it just didn't really seem like, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. And I, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know, as like a true Bitcoiner, yeah, I Bitcoin is a stable coin in my eyes as well. So... You know, why is this needed? I don't know. Um, Even Portnoy knows it, right? Portnoy saying one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin now. If he can figure it out, you know, then can't, can't everyone figure it out? This guy yeah. was Mr. Lettuce Hands, as you like to call him. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I don't I don't get it. All right. The next story, you mentioned it and we mentioned it both in this past story. But uh, crypt, or, uh, the Kraken crypto exchange adopts a lightning network. So now you can uh, exchange um, you know, Bitcoin and uh, everything across the platform using the Lightning Network. Do you think this is uh, significant? I know Kraken was kind of one of the first, uh, I want to say one of the first exchanges that you could uh, buy and sell Bitcoin, at least in the U.S. Um, and to be honest, I don't think it's one of the more popular exchanges. I don't have the exact numbers on there, but I think, you know, it's a, a decent size exchange in the U.S., um, but yeah, now you, now it uses a Lightning Network. It just seems like it's kind of one of those things where it's about time. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? I think this is Pierre Rochard's uh, Mona Lisa making up for his efforts working for an exchange that sells like a number of just absolutely garbage, worthless Ponzi tokens. Good for you, Pierre, for coming around on that. Um, other thing I would say, and we mentioned this on our show last night. So one, there's only one limitation, I think, on... Uh, on the buys and sells, or I should say the sends. Man, I had a bunch of Triscuits before I came on here. That was a mistake in retrospect. Uh, they 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 have a limit of 0.1 Bitcoin sent or received. So that's a pretty significant chunk, but it's also not that much in the grand scheme. You know what I mean? If you're competing with, like we mentioned, if you're competing with stuff like Swift or EFTs, uh, you need more available funds than that for a transfer. And so if you're running your own Lightning Node, of course you could do that. But this is... Uh, sort of the retail facing product. So there's that limitation. That said, I think this is really important. I think it's really huge because two things. One, Kraken, as you mentioned, one of the first exchanges to where you could buy and sell Bitcoin. I think they're they're available in Canada as well. Um, you know, this is years ago when they when they started to come on the scene. So they have a pretty uh retail in you know new slash intermediate focus as far as users. Uh they have a lot of like I mentioned products that you and I wouldn't find interesting. That's very generous language, but um, they, they, you know, they traffic in a lot of garbage over there. But one of the things that Bitcoin needs now, you know, in addition to this adoption curve continuing to S out to the moon, the other thing that it needs is people to understand how it's better than what you're using now. And there's that old saying that you, you're not going to leave a product for a new product unless it's 10x superior or 10x cheaper or 10x faster, something of that nature. It's got to be a 10x uh, gain over what you're already doing. Lightning is a 10x gain in, in, in function, but in form, fuck, does it ever need some help? Like I don't run a lightning node. Len, obviously my co-host, he's Mr. Lightning. We talk to a lot of guys who run lightning nodes, but the commentary is always the same. It's easy to build, make a lightning node. You can do it yourself. It's very simple. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not a, you know, what was that line from the, is it the Godfather? Like, I'm not dumb. I'm smart. I deserve respect. Like for, I forget that line. That's, I, that's how I feel when people are like, you can do it yourself. And then I look at these lightning node videos and unless you buy one in a box, it's hard to put it together for the average person. It takes time. You're going to make mistakes. You need some, some technical skill. And I got sausage fingers, man. These, these hands are for mixing cement. They're not for handling fine parts. And so when, when I look at that, I think I'm not going to do this, but man, I would use lightning if I had an option like this. If an exchange showed me that this is a viable product, it would, it would push me toward building my own node. It would push me toward telling my friends about how good it is. It would push me toward suggesting my friends use that exchange for their own exposure purposes. This sort of intentional touch point from Kraken is big. And uh, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking at other exchanges to do the same thing. Canada doesn't have any exchanges that do Lightning at the moment. So I, I think you, know, you would know this because you, you know, you're a content guy. But if you're not in the content game, how do you know about stuff like 
Moon Wallet, Breeze, all these other things where Lightning is really working as, as part of the value for value model, right? You stream stats to people. If you, if you don't know how that works, how are you ever going to learn if, if your exchange doesn't tell you, right? Like, have you ever built a computer for yourself? No, you could probably do it, but Best Buy sells really good computers, you know, or like whatever, Canada computers over, over here in the Great White North. Like you just go there and pick one up, right? Or like Costco, I got a computer at Costco in the, in the winter. I don't need to spend all that time. But if someone told me the benefits of this and I was able to, to see how well it worked, and I was able to gain something by building my own, you better believe I would do it. So I hope this is the first step in that direction. But let's see. I don't know. Um, like, How many people you talk to on your show that have a Lightning node or talk about like the Lightning Network use rate? Apart from you, you talk about it. But who like, who have you had on that talks about it? Yeah, I mean, not not too many, to be honest. But there's, uh, you know, I, I guess a little teaser. Uh, I have somebody coming on in a couple weeks or no, I guess maybe a week and a half uh, that kind of runs a company around that lines um called my node uh so yeah that's I mean, a really good teaser now i know the company and i know he runs it so would i just google it like is that the tease that's well, pretty easy I, I don't know i don't know who i don't know who it's emailing i'm just uh you know, DMing <laughs> back and forth with the my node account so uh, <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah a teaser where i give the whole thing away so you, know, you can't beat this kind of content here at Green <laughs> one man show but uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I, I, I don't really know too many people that are running their own lightning nodes just in general. Um, you know, all the people that I kind of talk to, it's either they're really deep into it or they're just kind of like a surface level Bitcoiners at that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really I, I agree with you like 100 percent. I think that there's space for exchanges as much as the hardcore Bitcoiners kind of hate it uh, just because of like the KYC component and everything like that. But I think, you know, like. For example, my parents or my grandparents or whatever, like, how are they going to know, like, all this stuff? They're not going to be tech savvy or anything like that. My dad still, you know, opens, like, phishing emails and downloads a bunch of shit where he has to get, like, crazy virus, uh, you know, protection on his, on his uh, computer. So it's like he does all that stuff. I had to convince him to download Cash App, and that's how I was able to send him, you know, uh, sats for Christmas. And that was his, uh, you know, Christmas gift. Um and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just kind of his first exposure. And then he's telling me, oh, he, you know, he downloaded Robinhood and some of his buddies on the golf course told him to buy Dogecoin or Shiba or one of these like shit coins <laughs> that, that he's getting into it. He texted me about Shiba, I swear, like at least five times before I convinced him to just get a little bit of Bitcoin. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you know, all these people, they, they don't really like understand the utility of it. They just see the news of it, too. So, um you know, a lot of these people are still, I think, you know, obviously, you know, on Bitcoin Twitter, it's a, it's a big saying uh, that we're still early. And I still think that we, we really are as big, even as big as like this Bitcoin Miami conference is getting and as many celebrities as we're getting there. I, I still think that, you know, the average Joe had just, is still far away from. They, they are, they are. And the, uh, Marty and Matt brought up a good point on, I think it was last week's show. I was listening to it today or yesterday, today. Uh, talking about how the reason that this is important for Kraken to do this is, is twofold. The stuff you and I are talking about, it's like a way to show people what this thing is really made of. But also, as far as pushing people to run their own node, if we don't push people to run their own node, inevitably what will happen is these uh, lightning nodes that have the most liquidity because they're corporate, quote-unquote corporate nodes, will require KYC AML. And they'll turn transactions away and they'll funnel away coins they don't like. And you'll be able to pay more uh, if you want to get your coins through first and plebs like you and me will have to wait. You don't want that. So I'm kind of like, you know, dismissing my own earlier argument about how hard it is to build a note. But maybe maybe we should both be doing it. I don't know. Maybe that'll be my third appearance. We'll build a note. It'll be like a six hour show. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Might be worth it. There you go. Yeah. We'll just build it together. We'll both be watching <laughs> videos on the side it'll be some <laughs> you know i mean that's really yeah. it'd be really good on the audio side i think that'd be like really top notch yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well i think on spotify now i can like upload the videos so maybe i could do yeah that. i don't know yeah. <laughs> all right on the next story so intel they released their uh block scale asic mining chip uh for for bitcoin mining and they did this really nice like sexy looking picture where it's just this gold intel 
chip just sticking out of this wall and makes it look all elegant and everything like that. Um, so obviously, like Intel is partnering or not partnering; their biggest customer is Block. Uh, so I think that's significant in that in its own right. But what do you think of Intel finally releasing its uh, next ASIC chip? It's great, and uh, I think you know I'm, I don't want to step on Len's toes because he's the mining guy between the two of us on our show, but. I look at some of these stats and I think this, this is not, you know, in the field, quote unquote, as far as like the, the spec, um, but an operating temperature at like that caps at 85 Celsius, that's low. I think most of those cap at close to 95 or hundred Celsius, if I remember correctly, uh, maybe a little shy of a hundred. So that's low right away. Uh, 580 gigahash per second. I have no idea what that means as far as competitive uh, advantage, but I'm sure um, either you can tell me that in, in your newsletter or someone can tell me that in the comments or in a tweet uh, after I continue to embarrass myself here in a public forum. It, it's interesting that Intel, you know, what has Intel in your view kind of fallen behind in the chip game in the last five years or 10 years? Yeah. You know, so like what, what do you think about when you think about them now? Yeah, so I'm actually doing some breakdowns of like the semiconductor space uh, on my. You like, did Intel like, this week, I'm pretty sure. Did you not? Yeah, so I did like a rehash of Intel last week, and I did last a. Uh, I did like yeah two other companies this the uh, the two weeks prior, but anyway, um, it was interesting because you know every other company that I've looked at in the semiconductor and like chip space seems to be growing, but Intel seems to be falling behind. So. The way I kind of view their, you know, re resurgence or maybe they're, you know, sticking their foot into the Bitcoin mining space is almost like a last ditch effort where they're this big giant. But, you know, all these little guys are starting to come up and, and you know, put chinks in the armor. So, uh, you know, they needed to find a way to get more profit and get more revenue and get their name out there more. And this is their way of doing it. Uh, you know, their experience and everything like that in uh, making chips makes me bullish on them making Bitcoin mining chips specifically. But at the same time, you know, maybe a company that specializes in just building Bitcoin mining chips or chips specifically for Bitcoin mining might be better suited for a company like Block. Uh, but I mean, it seems like their improvements that they've made so far have been really good um, and, you know, showing some positive positive positivity going forward but at the same time like i'm still kind of skeptical on intel as a whole uh, i don't really think you know if i was going to invest in like a semiconductor company i wouldn't invest in intel obviously not financial advice if you want financial advice you could go to your podcast <laughs> nfa man nfa yeah. I, is it is it worth at least pointing out that like application specific chips are an indicator, like if these guys, if it, this is a significant pivot for Intel, right? Intel makes home computing chips. That's sort of their bread and butter. And they, they, they make a lot of industrial use stuff. I, I think, uh, you know, if you, if you go to Intel, you can probably find a number of different applications, but ASICs are a different beast. So for them to pivot like this, are they a, a big enough company that you could at least say that if they're making this move, they have some inside knowledge of the sort of regulatory system and government and what's coming next as far as policy when it relates to Bitcoin mining becoming illegal or forcing us to move to proof of stake or whatever. Is it safe to say if a company the size of Intel is pivoting to this, that all that stuff is FUD, it's garbage, it's out the window? Like they know more than you and me know? I think that's probably fair. Oh, 100%. They definitely have people that have been either been on the inside or have people working very closely to make sure that you know everything is up to regulation and up to code so especially with a company of that size i mean you can't really avoid it at this point um you know it's almost like an amazon or an apple or, or something like that they definitely know what's going on they definitely know about all the regulations as far as privacy and things like that um and uh yeah i mean it's, it's, I feel like it's kind of along the same lines of, of the chip manufacturer of Intel size. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Right. They're, they, they're the OG. So, they, if they know something, it's worth looking at. That's for sure. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to the next story. I know you're a little limited on time. So, what time is there? We, we can go till, uh, we got, we got like, we'll go 10 more minutes. We'll go 653. No problem. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So, Bitcoin Miami. Uh, I know you talked a little bit on your show uh, about the Apple prediction, but I want to hear it here on my show. 
uh, selfishly. So, uh, you know, we've had uh, Jack Mahler's throwing out the little hints back and forth about, uh, you know, Apple. Uh, he posted a picture where he was flicking off the Chase Bank. Um, what was it? A Chase Bank ATM wearing an Apple hat. He posted a Apple old commercial um, and he's kind of been throwing out hints here or there. And then they've also had zero hedge report that Apple's working on like peer to peer payments. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you think that, uh, you know, Apple and strike are going to announce a partnership here at Bitcoin Miami? Let's, let's talk about like, I don't want to dig too deep into your romantic successes or failures, but I got, let's talk about hints for a sec. What when when you're at the bar, okay, you're looking across the bar. A nice young woman has caught your eye. She may give you a little hint, right? A little hint would be like a smile, or she might rub shoulders with you, or she might like touch your hand and say like "excuse me" or something. Those are little hints, okay? Those hints are hard sometimes to interpret, but they're 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 very small, and so no one expects you to get that right 100 percent of the time. These hints that Mallers are throwing out are not little hints. This guy is one finger up at a Chase ATM. He's got the Apple logo on his hat very clearly. It's not like it's blurred out. It's not like people are investigating. There's no CSI enhanced technology here being used. He's he's doing this very publicly. He's sending out, as you mentioned, the old Apple commercials, very, very direct. He's got a huge Twitter following. There is no glyphs to be deciphered here. There is no lyrics to be decoded. This is all very clear. And to your point, Zero Hedge and Massa, a friend of you know both of ours, um, very kind to tell us what uh, the the Bloomberg elite are talking about as well. Uh, how how it's as you mentioned, it's like something that really is breakaway as far as Apple's current product offering and the current financial system. Uh, at least that's what the thought is internally. So if you tell me now that this guy has been doing all this stuff and he doesn't announce something to do with Apple in the next little while, I'll be pissed. By the same token, though, and I am jealous that you're going to Miami, but I don't think that I'm going to be jealous that you got to see the Apple announcement because I don't think it's going to happen there. Uh, Apple literally built a spaceship building in the middle of a forest to do presentations about another phone every six months. They are not going to let Jack Mallers announce it with sand in his hair uh, and sandals in Miami. It's just not going to it's not going to happen. So I think there will be an announcement, but I think Apple's going to be the one to make it unless the announcement is significantly more underwhelming than either of us think. If it's a new strike app or something for iPhone that's changed or whatever, um, maybe. But uh, I think, you know, Mallers, has he ever not delivered? I think he's, you know, he's delivered pretty consistently. The only thing, another bit of cold water I would throw on there is, man, Apple doesn't leak almost anything when it comes to this sort of stuff. So I would imagine they'd be furious if there's a significant product announcement coming. And this kid is out there, you know, tweeting pictures and dropping F-bombs about Chase Manhattan Bank. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they do announce it in a couple of days and we can all celebrate at 60K or whatever when the price rips because every, every iPhone's got Bitcoin accessibility now. But uh, I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah, so I'll play a little devil's advocate with you. So uh, last year at Bitcoin Miami, we had a country announce that Bitcoin was going to be legal tender. Here so, we go. Here we go. Uh, Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah, so we, we have that. Um, you know, we also have like one of the biggest conferences in the world, I would say, with some of the most top-notch celebrities, uh, founders, CEOs, things like that. We have Mark Cuban come in. We have, you know, people like Dave Portnoy. Uh, <laughs> you just really did. You really just drop Cuban and Portnoy in the same. Yeah, but okay. So I mean, on that note too, like I mean, whether you like Portnoy or not, he has a massive following. And you yeah, I do like that. I do like Portnoy. I like Portnoy quite a bit. The guy's a big time success story for sure. Yeah. So I mean, if if you want to reach the Gen whatever, the millennial population, Portnoy's the guy. And then you also have celebrities like Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham, Serena Williams, like a bunch of famous athletes coming as well. Um, so I mean, the demographics that that are going to be reached from this, you know, I mean, from I, I, I'm assuming everybody and their mother. Whoever has a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter account is going to be following at least one person that is going to be attending this Bitcoin conference because mm. everybody here has a massive following on their, uh, you know, on one account, one or another account, um, whether it's, you know, somebody's from some off end thing. Um, so they're going to get some sort of exposure for it. 
Um, and, you know, on the same, t- same line, you know, it's, it's a, a massive conference as well. So, um, yeah, I agree with you there. But at the same time, too, you know, Jack Maulers has also said in interviews that he doesn't really give a shit about what his legal team has said, <laughs> right? So, and the What Bitcoin Did podcast, he said, uh, you know, he he's quiet with the tongue when it comes to names and stuff. But he also dropped, you know, Jeff Bezos. They called him just straight up Jeff. And then he read off some emails um, going back and forth without naming some names on a podcast that, you know, seemingly lives on forever. So, um, you know, I think at this point when there's smoke, there's fire. Will there be an announcement? I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up, too. But the more I kind of think about it, the more I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, a lot of smoke. It's a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke. And it's yeah. from both sides, right? It's not just from like the Bitcoin, Twitter, hopium injectors, right? The, the, the street side pharmaceutical guys selling you needles full of hopium. It's from, as, as I mentioned, the uh, truly the, the elite uh, Bloomberg class uh, also saying the same thing. So I don't know, man, I'm ready. Uh, I might actually go buy a Bloomberg so I can get the all caps headline first. I don't have to wait for Zero Hedge or Walter Bloomberg to tweet it out. Yeah, there you go. All right. So now <laughs> some more rapid fire questions about Bitcoin Miami. Uh, how will Aaron Rodgers get another woman to hate him at Bitcoin Miami conference? For sure. He's going to have uh, too much to drink and take a picture with rosy cheeks uh, where he's a little too close to a girl who may only be interested in, in him for his money. A la Dan held Dan held famous for those kinds of photos. There we go. Classic. Well, Odell Beckham wear an NFT shirt. Is he even going to be there? He's got a ruptured ACL, right? So he might be, he's probably like halfway through the rehab. I'm trying to think about when I did mine that first two months, you're, you're kind of gimpy in a crowd, but he might be all right now. Is he going to wear an NFT shirt? Probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, NFT shirt. One. Good name. Yeah. He he wore one uh, like celebrating the Super Bowl. So I don't doubt that he's. Uh, how, how is that legit though? Like he like you can just put any NFT on the shirt and then, like, you know, to own the NFT. And I think he just put it on a printout. So, I mean, a topic, for, I a topic for another show. Completely yeah, insane. The right click <laughs> JPEG. Uh, how many people will ask Dave Pointer, Dave Portnoy to try their pizza and rate it? Uh zero you don't think He'll, any- i don't think anyone in the crowd will i think he will do one or two pizza reviews there though he has to in miami for sure yeah well i mean he lives there now so i feel like he he's done up done quite oh, he's he's living there i didn't know that yeah yeah so he moved down to miami and now he's got like yeah basically he's there full full time but you know it's it's also port noise so he travels around a lot decent i hope he does a couple i do like those pizza reviews they're pretty jokes yeah well anyone from your podcast that you've interviewed interviewed actually race a 40-yard dash uh, I think Marty and Matt are going to, I think they made a bet after we had Marty on. So they're betting, I think 500,000 sats, uh, to two open source projects. I have to check with them. Maybe I'll, I'll message the two of them and see what they say. And, uh, if they do it, I want to get it on tape, but otherwise I don't know. I, I doubt very much that a lot of people are going to do any of these foot races. I just want to hear people tell us that they think they're faster than their friends. So you just want to hear them talk shit. Yeah. Well, okay. On the flip side of that, if healthy, how many speakers do you think you could beat in a 40 yard dash? Obviously, it's not a question for me because I'm a on the speaker player. on the speakers list. Oh yeah. fuck! Uh, I had this list up yesterday, actually. Um, what is that? What is that conference website? BTC Miami or whatever? It's b.tc backslash yeah. conference. Backslash. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Um, it was see. in alphabetical order yesterday, and now it is not. After you so, I think I think honestly, I could probably beat almost any of these people in a race. Beckham, maybe not, if because he's going to be hurt but i don't know uh pomp uh, under the radar played college football did you know that yeah didn't he play for Duke? i don't know so he so he's probably got some decent foot speed mallers looks pretty short but he's got you know he's got a lot of pep in his step he's he's a young guy right uh everyone else on this list like who else who else is even on the in the conversation like scalia aj and drew from uh cathedral are younger than me so they might be able to american hoddle thinks he's not fat but he definitely has a little bit extra weight on him these days last i saw anyway uh ben gagnon looks like he might be able to run i'm not sure uh who else is on this list that what could beat ben? me i think he could beat who? ben who marty ben oh yeah for sure for sure oh, i could ooh. yeah yeah right, i definitely could rogers for rogers 100 but he's also like a couple years older than me he has rogers probably hasn't run a sprint without pads on in 10 years that's my guess if not longer so i don't think he'd even try he'd probably just retire at the the starting line uh i i am i i will say that one thing i noticed looking through this list yesterday is there's a lot of people who are 
older than you'd think for a Bitcoin conference. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, you know, maybe um, maybe it's it helps lend us legitimacy from the traditional finance crowd. Now Len is in the chat talking to me about tennis. I don't know, Len. I can't play tennis, man. I thought you were supposed to be bedridden anyway. What am I doing here solo? Yeah, unreal. <laughs> All right, so now I, I, I we hinted it at the beginning, so I'm going to do a recurring segment for that I'm workshopping here with you. So it's, it's called uh, Bitcoin Adoption Faster Than. So I'm going to list out some rapid fire questions. You could just answer it or add something to it at the end. But basically, it's just going to be like, do you think Bitcoin will be uh, adopted faster than this happened? Okay, sure. Right? First question, Bitcoin adoption faster than Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie adopting their six children. Faster. Bitcoin adoption faster than Tim, T Tim Tebow adopting a child from every con continent. Faster for sure. Love Tebow, but faster for sure. Bitcoin adoption faster than overweight people adopting a fad diet that allegedly does not require working out. Oh man, they, they love fad diets over there in the BMI camp. Uh, definitely slower adoption for us, unfortunately. All right. Uh, Bitcoin, a fa faster adoption than Instagram girls adopting a cheesy new motivational quote. They love the quotes, man. And the quotes never have anything to do with the picture, right? It's always, uh, you know, the thirst trap as you guys like to give me shit for. Uh, and then it's something about like starting a business or grinding through life or my other favorite, like find true friends because true friends are hard to find or whatever. It's like a shitty haiku. Everyone knows this. You don't need to put a picture up in a bathing suit. Anyway, I don't want to yeah. get any more trouble than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You didn't give me an answer. Faster or slower? Oh, the girls are going to be faster for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Bitcoin adoption faster than girls in their early twenties getting flower tattoos. Oh man. That's that fad is passed. But can I, tr can I trade this for uh symbolic like foreign text, like Chinese or Mandarin text? Yeah. yeah there we're, there's still going to be a lot of those tattoos on the wrists and, uh, and, and hips, I think of a lot of uh, young women. We got to get out of that phase, that phase, man, men and women both got to get out of that phase. So, so we're going to be slow. We're going to be slower than that. We're going to be slower than that. All right. Bitcoin adoption faster than college kids adopting cheap high percentage alcohol shout out no way, way slower everyone's played edward 40 hands right like you, those yeah. those 40s cost like five bucks canadian or did when i was in school anyway they're probably like 15 now but yeah, um yeah those, those were the days man i couldn't afford anything except garbage <laughs> exactly all right bitcoin adoption faster than dads adopting air monarch air monarchs into their wardrobe Air Monarchs are huge. I was at a bachelor party on the weekend for a friend of mine. He's We're all the same age, 34. And my one buddy's got two kids with another on the way. And he wore his Monarchs all weekend, every pub we went to. Uh, jeans from Costco, shoes to match. So definitely the Monarch adoption curve accelerating faster than ours, unfortunately. All right. Bitcoin adoption faster than Canadian teens adopting the hockey flow. Oh, man, the flow. Listen, the hockey flow has, has I think, eclipsed. Be, being a hockey specific thing people just love long hair like you and me are a dying breed i even i let my hair grow longer in the summertime i never used to but uh i think that kids they're they're liking the flow man hockey or not they're gonna be faster than the bitcoin curve which sucks but that's okay all right bitcoin adoption faster than bros adopting recently dropped drake lyrics for the ig caption Ooh, the, the lyrics is the lyrics caption still a thing oh for i for like the bro crowd definitely yeah is it? I haven't put lyrics on anything in like probably 15 years. My MSN name used to have lyrics in it all the time. That was like the way you tell a girl you were, you were feeling her. Anyway, uh, I'm going to say Bitcoin adoption curve accelerating faster than that. But right now, there's probably more people adopting that tactic than are buying Bitcoin, which whatever. There you go. All right. Bitcoin adoption faster than certain members of society adopting a Ukrainian frat flag in their Twitter. Oh, man. This, that, does, that does sting, man. Um, it's it's not going to be faster. I see a lot of Ukrainian flags going up. I'll just can I, can I just say to, to not get myself in trouble, okay? It's okay if you want to support Ukraine. I get that, but don't take everything you see as 100% true all the time from the same media who gives you lies the other 95% of uh, of the time they're on air in your ears in print whatever. Uh, be critical. Support the right things and uh, support the right causes. But yeah, unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of adoption of that before there's adoption of Bitcoin. All right. I have one. I have my last one, but then we also got a, a fan one as well from uh, okay. the crowd. All okay. right, Bitcoin adoption faster than Vitalik adopting artificial wombs when he realizes uh, the pre mines aren't getting him laid. Man, Vitalik, uh, he may be the most uh, romantically 
disadvantaged billionaire on the planet. I think he's got a, a lot of, uh, he's got a pretty big hill to climb. So I'm going to say that he adopts the womb faster than Bitcoin adoption, unfortunately, because he's got to be getting, he's probably your age, is he your age, 28, 29. I don't even know. I mean, he looks kind of like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like one of those, <laughs> like his, his androgynous age. No one knows how old he is. Yeah. Like a <laughs> robot almost, you know? <laughs> All right. Last one from the Canadian Bitcoiners YouTube channel. Bitcoin adoption faster than Prague and booted from Twitter. Man, it's going to be, I think Prague's on his way out. Honestly, I know he just got put in there like two years ago, but I think he's on his way out. I think he's gone before. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I think it was last year actually. So I think, I think he's out faster than, uh, than he realizes. Like, like we were saying earlier, he's got the crying Wojak in front of the happy Wojak mask. It's, uh, it's not good for him. RIP. It was a good run Prague. Yeah. There you go. All right, Joey, thank you so much for joining me. Recurring guest, why don't you sign us off and uh, tell everybody where to find you? Man, anytime. Happy to happy to come on the show whenever uh, whenever you invite me. So long as it's not too nice outside and I'm not sucking back to all boys. Uh, Len and I host the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. We stream Mondays, we stream Wednesdays, and uh, the shows come out audio Wednesday, Friday. Tomorrow, we're on at 7 p.m. We got a late rip tomorrow with uh, SB of the Woke Antidote pod. So looking forward to talking to him about stonks, uh, some mild wokeness content probably in order to protect my channel and uh, our podcast. But uh, we'll be talking about all, all the stuff that people care about. If you listen to this show, you listen to our show, you'll enjoy that. And uh, of course, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Joey. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the State of Bitcoin podcast. Just follow me on Twitter at Green Candle IT. We're out. Well done. Way to go.